0: A more classic movie plot there isn't. A son who does not want to follow in his father's business. And that business is being president of Earth, no less. The son, as it happens, is vice president. That plot makes perfect sense.
1: Wink, wink. Bender, you said wink, wink out loud. No, I didn't. Raise middle finger. Welcome to the World of Tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 8, That's Lobstertainment.
0: Now in this episode there is a lot of comedy that is played off as not funny, but I think we've got the creators of the show a little beat because we have an entire podcast that's not funny.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Aha. there's one thing that we do better than Futurama, it's be bad.
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, they they imply that Zoidberg doesn't know how to tell a joke. Well, that's the jokes on them, because we have no idea, not even a clue,
1: not in the least. Um, yep. So that's the podcast. Good job. We're both dumb. <laughs> uh, catch you next time.
0: I feel like we got to the we're both dumb very quickly in this episode
1: look i am prepared to straight up like front load that so that people know what they're getting into
0: oh yes if you're a new listener to back of the futurama welcome why it's we're dumb
1: like if i do a podcast i point out beforehand yeah it's dumb i should put that on our business cards (laughs) just right back to the futurama yeah yeah, it's it's dumb dumb. (laughs) Although I feel like that's stealing uh, like from TNT. Like Weren't they like, uh, we know drama, but instead like 2017, they're like, yeah, we're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, <It's a> tr- <laughs> I'm not picking on TNT specifically. I just, I don't know why. Um, it,
0: it's like the opposite of TBS is very funny. It's not very funny. We've got some
1: jokes, probably.
0: I don't think that's the case at all webster's
1: dictionary tbs (laughs) webster's dictionary defines comedy (laughs) and then just leave it at that not actually just point out that webster's dictionary defines comedy just that they do just yeah absolutely they define a lot of words (laughs) comedy is Is one one of of them
0: them. (laughs) 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 oh man speaking of comedy uh, the episode of Futurama starts at a comedy club called the Comedy Comedy Simulator. Uh, it's amateur night, which includes uh, amateur valets, and one immediately crashes a car. I love
1: the amateur valet joke because, like, comedy, comedy and and musicians are like one of the few things where you can get away with being like, yeah, it's amateur night. Like, sure. you don't ever want. Amateur valets to park your car. You don't want amateur surgery. You don't want... Like, I don't even really want amateur cooks. Like, I got to eat that food. But amateur comedy? Sign me up.
0: That's a good point. What other occupations would you be okay with amateur? I
1: mean, I just think those two. I can't think of anything else.
0: There's technically amateur athletics. Sports.
1: I mean, I don't like professional sports, so...
0: That's right, we've covered this on the podcast before. hmm I'll just sit over here being a fan of sports. Very quietly.
1: So it's amateur night, and um, uh first up, uh, we get a little bit of a taste of the comedy stylings of HumorBot 5.0. And boy howdy, he is the funniest thing in the episode.
0: I mean, he's really he's actually quite funny. He's pretty
1: funny. Um the the line we get is so I said, Super Collider, I just met her. And then they built the Super Collider.
0: <laughs> the subversion of the usual joke cadence is wonderful.
1: I love it because I have a friend who, for a long time, one of his favorite go-tos for jokes was the, like, you know, like, uh,
0: Hammer, I hardly met her.
1: Yeah. Or a, slightly different, but one of his favorite ones was, "Rectum." damn near killed him. Um, and so he'd always tell jokes like that and I'd always come back to this one where I always wanted to just follow every single one of those up with and then they built the
0: super collider <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody is, is enjoying in the, the audience enjoying this joke and HumorBot uh, 5.0 leaves the stage to applause and the next comedian is Bobcat Zoideberg
1: my note here is that Zoidberg is basically Yakov Smirnoving. I've, I've verbed it. Good. Uh, Yakov Smirnoving, but about squid
0: and clams. Yeah, he's talking about the difference between Earth and his uh, Decapodian planet.
1: Like on Earth, you enjoy a tasty clam. On my planet, tasty clam enjoys you. No, clam enjoys a tasty you. Yeah.
0: Which is always a good line, but no one seems to like it very much. In fact, I believe Bender is catapulting tomatoes onto the stage at, mm-hmm. at zoidberg his other joke is that
1: three parasites he starts out and he's like so these three parasitic worms bore into a human's head and everybody's grossed out and then they they drag him off the stage but honestly i kind of want to know where that joke was going well he mentions that they're walking to a bar and they walk up to the bar and- right right he does and that's why i want to know because like there's a bar like, exactly. this like, raises questions. I want closure on this joke, and we will never get closure on this
0: joke. To be fair, I would exp- I, I not that I would expect it, but I would understand a bar in somebody's head. How do they how do they get by sometimes sometimes you just need that sometimes, need escapism?
1: Sometimes you gotta go where all the synapses know your name.
0: Neuron
1: <laughs> Okay. Damn, that was nice. Um, so
0: so maybe we do have jokes in this podcast maybe i lied earlier maybe we're good at this we're not good at it but we can even a blind squirrel gets a a tree nut from once in a while
1: but yeah they drag him off the stage because nobody's really enjoying this humor
0: one of the stage hooks attempts to drag him off stage and then another one whacks him over the head and everyone cheers as he's possibly concussed
1: then back at planet express zoidberg laments that he's been working his whole life on that act.
0: That that seems like a bad life choice.
1: And he also points out that he should be good at this because comedy runs in his veins um, or however he words it. I don't know. I don't remember if he words it uh, some weird yeah, alien way. Um, but yeah, comedy is basically running through his veins because he's related to the great Harold Zoid. Harold Zoid? Who was a, a big star in the era of silent holograms
0: uh the professor is a huge fan and still has some of his original uh 78 uh 78s which are giant holodisks. and like 78 million rpm
1: yeah, or something it's tremendous. some outrageous number that i didn't actually look uh and write down um my question about the holograms okay though, let's go is that so he puts this hologram on this big uh victrola looking thing and it shoots this hologram down and everybody is gathered around it on this circular table mm-hmm. most of them have a really bad view because there is a wall there only only one side has a direction where that fourth wall isn't in there so like are they in sure. the back are they just looking at a a the back side of a wall it
0: seems like everybody enjoys the silent film so i imagine there's some technology that everybody sees it
1: i mean i i, I imagine also, wasn't so. there
0: wasn't there th- i thought there there was the fourth wall certainly but i think one of the other walls was also not there it was well, just. all a two i know wall is thing. that like
1: Leela is in the back behind it where like she's looking at the back side of this wall sure and it's it's a weird visual that i'm like i get i'm making a mountain out of a molehill here and i understand that is there's always that weird visual thing that i'm like that doesn't quite are you familiar with the old robot expression
0: that does not compute i believe so yes
1: okay because that does not compute
0: excellent so uh they watch this uh hologram uh on this holodisc um it is called a close shaving uh zoid is a uh a barber and he has a customer and the customer has like a really nice handlebar mustache and a like a pointy beard and he he wants a he wants a a shave so he harold zoid uses his uh because he is a lobsterman, he uses his claws to cut off the the mustache. The customer gets up, yells at him that he's a buffoon, and asks him to cut his beard. Uh, Zoid then lathers up the the customer's neck and cuts off his head. And then
1: the head rolls out the door and he's like, sir, you forgot your hat. Um, which is admittedly kind of a funny line. Like, it's I think, pretty good, yeah. I think that's the only real funny thing about the whole bit um although i do like the phrase you are a buffoon now cut my beard (laughs) just because it's one of those out of context lines that is uh
0: one of the uh pretty good ones that you can just like throw at your friends for no reason
1: right and then they as is the theme of literally everything i say to everybody i know they have no idea what i'm talking about
0: it's a it's a running gag at this point
1: hey ben how's it going you are a buffoon now cut my beard and they
0: just stare at you confused mm-hmm. for about five minutes.
1: Zoidberg decides to write to his dear uncle, Harold Zoid. Mm-hmm. It's important. So he has to do it in
0: his own ink.
1: <laughs> Which I I love that joke. It's kind of gross, but yeah. like just the, the casualness of him like, sticking the ink uh, jar in his like under his coat and you hear it fill up and then he just has this little jar of ink brilliant it's
0: wonderful um so he as he's writing it, it kind of cuts to hollywood where harold zoid is in an old actor's home uh and he r- finishes reading the letter and he assumes zoidberg is a rich doctor nephew and so he writes
1: back in his own ink. in his own ink which he doesn't even reference he just does it yeah um,
0: it's it's just like this is what i'm doing here that I'm done.
1: as an aside that's one of my favorite things about futurama when they sort of establish like this is a joke now. And then they just call back to it without even referencing it. Yeah, it's a blink um, and you'll miss it. Where they're just like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, this is just what Decapodians do uh, when they're writing to relatives. They use their own ink, uh, which my love of that sort of humor explains my obsession with the rest and development, because it's sure. sort of what they got. That's true. That's their their shtick.
0: I, I really like the fact that it's like this, like, almost rudimentary, like, biometric to be like make sure that you it's my own ink so that I know it's it's Uncle Harold or whatever.
1: Right. It's like um <laughs> it's I was gonna say it's like uh the formal versus uh I forget the word for it. the second person singular in Spanish. I went directly to Spanish conjugation. Usted? Usted versus two. Like you use usted for formal, you use like you use your own ink. <laughs> it's true. It's Second person in Spanish is using your own ink. <laughs> I don't really know where I'm going. Yeah, with this. I just I'm just I'm digging. My, usually I was you're going, the one digging down. Uh-huh. Hand me that shovel. I was going for biometric
0: security, but you're like, yeah, it's it's like a formal <laughs> formal uh, conjugation of a word. Yes, <laughs> vaminos. See, um.
1: Bienvenidos uh, back to the Futurama. Me llamo Mike. Y me llamo Ben. <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> figure out how to say your podcast voyage, and I'm like, nope. Yeah, that's. I haven't <laughs> taken Spanish since high school.
0: I don't think they told us the word for podcast in Spanish. Como plus. se dice
1: podcast en español?
0: If if I could say tweet it back to Futurama in, <laughs> in Spanish, I would. Uh, it
1: just okay. might be tweet
0: a. Uh, at back to the futurama oh well so uh,
1: yeah that remember that part about us being dumb
0: oh it's come back it's come back i I like how i like how we're giving the the listener like a through line through the podcast because you know without it they just get (laughs) i would be confused personally
1: it's important when you're creating any sort of work of Media mm. to Art, to just with a,
0: artistic merit
1: to just repeatedly beat the subject over the head
0: with the underlying moral of the story mm-hmm. and the underlying moral of the story of Back to the Futurama is that we're idiots. Like it this this podcast is very like uh Aesop's Fables except for the moral is that we're idiots. It's like
1: if. At the bottom of every page of The Great Gatsby, it... <laughs> ah,
0: the great, We're talking about The Great Gatsby on the podcast. Excellent. It said... This book is dumb.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, like, materialism is bad or whatever the moral
0: is, but I've never actually read The Great Gatsby. It's, so. <laughs> I, I had to read that multiple times for multiple different reasons I'm not going to get into. Every time it was, like, pulling teeth. I do not like that book. I only ever watched
1: the film, uh, the, the original, like, 70s film uh, in English class. With and, Robert Redford. And all I remember is that there is a long scene in which uh, a character is fondling jello molds. That's I, the only scene I remember. I
0: don't remember that. But now I kind of want to watch it just for that scene. To see if it's, if it's real or uh, a bin fever dream. Harold Zoid tells his
1: rich doctor nephew that the first funny thing he must do is put all of his money in the form of cashier's check and come to Hollywood. P.S. Cashier's check.
0: So they fly off to Hollywood. Bender, Fry, Leela, and Zoidberg go on the star tours where they're in a, in a bus and they have a, a tour guide that's showing them all the sights like 30th Century Fox. They use the searchlight to blind pilots and then film the resulting crash. Mel's, Mel Gibson's head's house, which is very tiny. The you, you know Mel Gibson's head, the star of Bravehead. Mm-hmm. Naturally. And then Calculon's r- luxurious Bel Air home.
1: Bender decides to get a close look at Calculon's fabulous Bel Air home. And uh, he goes up and knocks on the door. And Calculon's like, are you my water heater? And uh bender says no and sort of uh don't you remember me gets in calculon's face and then uh he's like i don't need a bender slams the door bender immediately rings the bell again and then he's like i told you i don't need a bending unit and then bender's like bender that was that last guy my name is boiler and like suddenly bender can just heat water to 212 degrees fahrenheit bender has a lot of functions
0: that we don't know also, I love the fact that to to go get a closer look, he jumps off the second story of this double-decker bus.
1: Look, the man the the bot's obsessed with Calculon and I get it. But
0: it's just the scene of him just like flying off this bus but is amazing. My
1: my weird thought that I had is that Bender repeatedly says the only thing that he's programmed to do is bend, and so like he can't lift an unbendable girder because he doesn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yet he knows how to hook his arm up to a faucet and then heat it to boiling temperatures, mm-hmm. two hundred and twelve degrees. Shower, calculon, with it. Which, first of all, I like a hot shower, but not that hot. But you're also not calculon the robot. Crush my dreams, why don't you? So not yet. So, I mean, he was David Duchovny at one point. So, like, you know, He could be anybody.
0: He could be. He any- could be me. If you cut me, do I not bleed circuits?
1: But yeah, like suddenly he's just really good at at boiling water.
0: Well, I read it as if it's adjacent to bending, he can't do it. If it's nowhere near bending, he can absolutely do it.
1: Okay. Or maybe.
0: Okay. Heating water
1: is just bending it so that it gets hot. Ooh,
0: like bending the molecules themselves. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like this. I, I think we need to write a scientific paper about this. There's already a Futurama theorem.
1: Why can't there be a second? I'm only going to do one dumb Futurama related thing today, and this
0: is it. So. Well, yeah, well, what about tomorrow? Tomorrow's another day. It's,
1: tomorrow is a latter day. <laughs> so. Um,
0: I didn't say latter day.
1: Oh, I went there. I know. Meanwhile, Zoidberg and his uncle, Harold Zoid, are meeting up at a fancy restaurant called Ebola. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. And they're both my only big note is Zoidberg and Harold are both pretending to be successful. Yes. Like their entire conversation is just being really bad at pretending to be like, "Oh
0: yeah, I'm totally a rich doctor." And not realizing the other one is completely pretending. Mhm. But it turns out that Zoid says that Zoidberg will never be ma- make it in comedy, so he pushes him into drama. And Zoid has written a uh, a drama uh, movie called The Magnificent Three.
1: Which is a reference to The Magnificent Seven? I think so. I always forget because I've never actually seen the original, but this riffs on it with The Magnificent Three. Um, the game Beautiful Joe, which is a great game, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. not a lot of people have played it. If you get a chance to play it, it's a choice game. It
0: was GameCube only, wasn't it?
1: GameCube only. It was GameCube oh, no, only it was originally. On PS2. And then it was eventually on PS2. Because everybody got mad that it was on GameCube only. Sure. But yeah, they have a uh, a level called the Magnificent Five, I think. Okay. Like, a lot of things riff on the... I don't... I've never actually seen the original. Same. I should probably actually look this up before we get a million tweets about how dumb we are. Yes, the Magnificent Seven is correct. Uh, We were both both correct about that. Anyways, the Magnificent Three, obviously a play on words on the Magnificent... Magnificent seven. Obviously. No one needs to look that up. Certainly not. Future Ben remember to edit out that part where we didn't remember what number was. Harold Zoid also says that Zoidberg can be in it as long as he helps finance it with his rich doctor
0: money. Mm-hmm. All he needs is one million dollars. And uh back on the ship, Zoidberg is crying because he doesn't have the money and he's already, after one day, a Hollywood phony bender suggests why don't we get calculon to help
1: finance it
0: uh because bender is in the biz uh he is he walks up with a uh, very clear like uh jacket from a from an in- in- entertainment vehicle
1: mm-hmm. i mean it says all my circuits on the back i didn't catch that thing. yeah so like he's just by being a water heater he's like on the crew for all my circuits mm-hmm.
0: bender and zoidberg go take the script to calculon and Bender uh, guarantees that Calculon will win an Oscar with this.
1: Guarantees. Calculon, and one of my, I, I love so many Calculon moments, but mm-hmm. he flips through the the screenplay and he's like, no, no, I don't like the font.
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: But then he realizes that it's written by the Herald Zoid. The Herald Zoid. And then, of course, that whole, uh, and you can guarantee that I'll win an Oscar. I can guarantee a lot of things. It's true.
0: It's very true, and Bender tends to.
1: So, they start filming The Magnificent Three.
0: Which has an amazing plot that I will describe to you now. Hit me with that, please. A son who doesn't want to follow in his father's business. The president of Earth. Also, the son is the vice president. Why not?
1: And another one of the great Bender lines I love quoting is that Bender's like, Hey, that makes perfect sense. Wink. Bender, you said the wink. No, I didn't. Raise middle finger.
0: <laughs> like, it's very good. My
1: my impulse to say raise middle finger all the time is immense. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely immense. Where but like you know, if you don't get it, like it's going to sound a lot ruder than me just being like I love Futurama and I'm sort of playfully like telling you to go screw off but instead since nobody gets it i just have to bite my tongue and then build the super collider so
0: um (laughs) i wasn't expect i wasn't expecting that to be the exit ramp off that story that was wonderful
1: i think i should just use that as sort of a way to end conversations (laughs) all the time just be like and then we built the super collider and then just that's it
0: yeah just leave it at that. It could very well work on this podcast where we we, we struggle to get off of, off of jokes and stories.
1: And then we built the Super Collider. So, The Magnificent Three, Harold Zoid, has no idea how to direct a movie. S- especially not a talkie. Because he points out that because it is a talkie, all the actors need to be expressing the full gamut of emotions from every actor... In every scene. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big ask. It's a
0: big ask. I, sorry, that's a big axe. That's, you're right. It is a big axe. Um, it's also going to tire out the entire audience. And just be bad in general. Yes. There, 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 there's a mid-level you need to hit. You can't be completely detached or you'll have the room. You can't be completely into it or you'll get mm-hmm. uh, the Magnificent Three. You have to be in the middle there and then you'll get things like the avengers
1: that that's the you heard it here first everybody that is the secret <laughs> the secret to successful movie making is be somewhere between this really bad fake movie where everybody is emoting all the time forever and but, be on the other end, and and but, and the other end which is have no emotions ever <laughs> be right in that sweet yeah, spot if you can figure that out. be right in that sweet spot, and then you too will produce the Avengers. We just made so many people rich, and we can look forward to a great blockbuster movie season
0: of nothing but the Avengers in twenty eighteen. Wow, quick turnaround <laughs> i'm 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 excited. <laughs> I like how we are in the business of getting everyone else rich that listens to the podcast and not really ourselves. We're we're here for the art of it.
1: It's true. Uh we are here just for the love of the art of podcasts
0: about Futurama. You missed a word. Dumb podcasts about Futurama. implied. So, again, the through line directly through the podcast.
1: My other note about the magnificent three is that i realized that harold zoid who is playing the role of the president in this film Mm -hmm. despite being the president is still wearing sandals with his
0: suits he is he gets to be the president of earth he can wear whatever you like
1: it's just a weird thing i never noticed before that like even in a nice suit kind of a a, i mean i don't want to judge but like not a traditional fashion choice. I think it's a power move. Interesting. You want to elaborate that
0: on that? And then we built the super collider. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it gets to the point in this uh in this production that all the extras are like waving their arms and making monkey noises mm-hmm. as they enter and leave frame. And uh ends up actually like having a pie throwing contest right as part of it.
1: And also that like through the whole the whole time, uh, Harold Zoid repeatedly tells Calculon that he's not emoting enough, despite the fact that Calculon is being calculon
0: with his over dramatic acting. It's true. And like crying on the top of the the fake White House and whatever. It's he's emoting just so hard. And then they finally
1: wrap up production, mm-hmm. and uh, turns out that editing is a long and expensive process, but they spent all the money on pies, so it'll be ready Friday.
0: Excellent. And then we go to the premiere at the, the Chinese Theater. I love the badness that is The
1: Magnificent Three.
0: Oh boy, is it bad. It's, it's not even well made. Every.
1: Every joke about this. Even, like, it starts out the establishing shot. You get, like, the typewriter, like, typing out the White House. Washington, D, D. And then it backs up and then types C. And, like, from the get-go, like... It's bad. It's, it's just bad, And it's great.
0: It's also great because you can tell that it's just, like, a backdrop painted on uh-huh. a sheet. Like, it's even dipping in the middle where there should be, like, sky. There's constantly changing aspect ratios. Yes. Uh, like... At one... <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Oh, Like it, it just he throws water in in <laughs> his face, and like that cut changes from a a
0: wide aspect ratio to a normal aspect ratio. Yeah. I really like the fact that one of the shots you can see the uh, that that Zoidberg is like using his fingers to kind of make a a viewfinder right in uh-huh. front of the the video for no reason. It's tremendous.
1: Meanwhile as sort of a, a b plot, um, Lila and fry are trying to find parking space for the premiere and they're already running late. Yeah. Of course. Cause Lila won't pay for the valet because of the per- principle of the thing. And then she thinks she finds a spot and lands right in the La Brea tar pits. They sure do. And, and they start sinking. So, yeah, they start sinking pretty much immediately we go back to the theater where we're at the, the climax of the Magnificent three where, uh, they're on the roof on a, a, of the white house and is really raining. And the president is in a wheelchair, very like FDR style mm-hmm. rolls off the side. And then Zoidberg pops up and is like, the president is dead. Congratulations, Mr. President. <laughs> and then it ends on like Calculon screaming no and then it just cuts to and, executive producer Bender.
0: And that's the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also pr- really like the fact that in that scene uh Calculon's character is trying to resign as vice president. It's it's cut up and then he and the president goes flies off the side of the the roof of the White House. It's just so so not good
1: we see a paper uh newspaper uh that is announcing the oscar noms are announced mm-hmm. um so there's there's also and i've never noticed this before over in the corner of the paper there is a uh story that uh it's going to be weird it, it won't translate fully in an audio format because every letter ends in x it says Fox, X's, backs, Sex, Picks, Flicks, Lax, Crux, Bucks, Stocks, Sinks,
0: Axe, Prex. Nice. I I do think we skip something in because after the, the movie is over, everyone's left. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, sorry. And then Calculon uh kind of threatens the rest of the crew, uh Ben uh Bender, Harold Zoid, and Zoidberg, that if he doesn't win the Oscar, he's gonna kill them.
1: Oh, now he emotes, and and then we see the Oscar and then, nominations. Then we see the the paper with Fox X's back sex picks flicks lacks crux bucks stocks sinks X prex. Whoo! You're getting better at that every time you say it. Let's try for a third. Fox X back, sex picks flicks lacks crux bucks stocks sinks X <laughs> prex.
0: That's that rules of three for you.
1: Sorry for that sibilance, everybody. <laughs> that was a lot to
0: take in. It was. There are no nominations for Calculon. He did win a golden globe though. But that's like the Emmys of movies. That is a uh, analogy that definitely works. Uh, so Zo- uh, Harold Zoid says maybe we should rig the the awards. That works too. At the tar pits, Leela and Fry really can't get out. They think they've flooded the engine. So they just kind of kind of resign to dying. Um, So as they sink, they're like looking out the window and then they see a skeleton of what seems to be a caveman and they refer to it as Sylvester Like g- Fry is excited because he's like, oh my God, it's Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, it's he's very excited about this.
1: We cut back to the old folk, the old actor's home. Excuse mm-hmm, me. Exactly. And Harold Zoid is sort of having a moment. He just he wants to be thought of one last time before he dies. Mm-hmm. He one com- last time
0: yes, yes he he comes clean about oh uh, Zoid is coming
1: home sorry i'm I'm just going to sing Hamilton the rest of the podcast. I hope you don't mind,
0: and then I built the super Collider <laughs> uh zoid uh Zoid comes clean at the old actor's home, you know he he's not famous he's his career went down the tubes when smell vision was introduced as one would imagine I mean, it's not like he's a giant lobster or anything. Well, I mean, he kind of is. He actually is. That's ac- accurately what he is.
1: Zoidberg decides to fix this, and I don't remember exactly what his plan is. All I know is that my note points out that he's like, Zoidberg away, and then he's, he takes a beat and then just sort of shuffles out the door. It's a very good Zoidberg moment.
0: It's There's a lot of good Zoidberg moments in this one. This is a great episode for Zoidberg. Oh, it's a wonderful episode for Zoidberg. So we're, we go to the Oscars, and Joan Rivers Head is hosting the red carpet.
1: Other stars are Jack Nicholson's DNA reconstituted in a gorilla body.
0: It's, it's such an amazing concept. And it's, per, it's perfect to be Jack Nicholson. It's just wonderful. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they managed to sneak
0: Zoidberg in through
1: the side disguised as food.
0: Bender is the caterer the the bounce of uh, the security guy opens it sees zoidberg and then like almost barfs almost barfs and waves them in anyway um back on the the red carpet uh rivers's head is interviewing harold zoid he's sad i didn't take any notes yeah, on that it, her he's question sad. her question ends up being like are you getting one of the 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 honorary awards or just giving one out and harold zoid says i'm only good as a seat filler and that's pretty much this, it's it's just there to make you know that Harold Zoid is sad that he's not really well remembered anymore. Mm-hmm. So then we start
1: the 1074th Academy Awards, starring Billy Crystal.
0: He, he just, he can't get away. They can't, they won't, he can't get away from the Oscars.
1: He makes a joke and then is like, we're already one hour behind, <laughs> which is, I mean, I don't usually watch the Academy Awards, but that seems pretty legit.
0: Seems legit, yeah. We kind of do a little bit of jokes at the Oscars and head back to the tar pits where the ship kind of lands on something. It, it's rocked in a way. And it turns out they've hit the LA subway.
1: Rye is concerned that it's either a tar dolphin or a tar shark. But it's not. Do you think in the year 3000, they have tar shark NATO?
0: Oh, they have to, don't they? Why don't we have that now? Why do we have Sharknado now? Well, why? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about the base question, <laughs> why do we have Shark Sharknado? And then second, why don't we have Tar Sharknado? So, well, so I think—is th- that a shark made of tar, or a, a shark that lives in tar?
1: These are the questions we need answered. Sci-fi, mm-hmm. get on this. Yeah, but I, I feel mean, we've like already
0: we've already written Turbo Wolf. It's true. We'll write you a Tar. Sharknado we will do it. Yeah, absolutely. Just give us a call. We've got representation. We do not have representation.
1: Then uh, I don't know. Like friend of the podcast Tema could uh be our representation.
0: Yeah, she could. She could be our agent. Yeah, uh-huh. this works. Yeah, e- excellent. Cool. And this is the part of the podcast where Tema pauses it, and I, I <laughs> and we have a weird conversation about it.
1: Excellent. So turns out that it is the L.A. subway um because it's a tube devoid of human life and so they're just they're like let's rag on la some more we didn't get enough of that in the cryonic woman it's true uh let's just go back
0: to this well i think it's a good well to go back to it's pretty good so they they blast through it and then try to escape that way back at the oscars bender gets on the pa and announces zoidberg as the the presenter for the best actor
1: this is, of course, after the award for Best Soft Drink Product
0: Placement, which is admittedly an award I would like to see. It's true. I believe one of them was Snow White and the 7-Up. Correct. Star Trek The Pepsi Generation. Correct. And they call me Mr. Pibb. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'd watch that movie. <laughs> me too. I like Mr. Pib. I think he could carry an entire movie. Oh, Dr. Pepper for me all the way! Like, well, yes. I mean, if we're really talking about it, Mr. Pep is the knockoff. But yes, I. They're they're both good flavors.
1: Zoidberg comes out and takes the jar with Billy Crystal in it and just chucks him, and the applause <laughs> increases easily by another fifty percent, if it, not more.
0: It's the most they've applauded all night. I mean, they, these people have dealt with Billy Crystal for, I'm assuming, a thousand years. hmm Yeah. They need something new. And that new and flavor that was new. is Zoidberg.
1: He's the Mr. Pibb of... The Oscars. The Oscars. That's correct.
0: That's, that's an analogy that makes some sense. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm going to put the Mr. Pibb of the Academy Awards on all of my business cards now. <laughs> <laughs> under a right, And under that, yes, we're dumb. Exactly. This is going to be some great business cards.
0: (laughs) Which is going to be like line after line after line. I'm going to have to unroll this business card. Zoidberg lists off the nominees for best actor. But instead of that fifth guy, Calculon.
1: Well, now you're skipping over some of my favorite jokes here. Okay. Go ahead. The the movies that are in that these actors come from uh, are The Merchant of Venus. Mhm. Bikini Party Summer. There you go. And how beige was my jacket?
0: How beige was my jacket. Sounds like a pretty good movie. Sounds like the Mister Pib of movies. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, I'm just going to I'm going <laughs> to juice this insult for all that I can. I'm just going to go around calling people the Mister Pib of blank. You're
0: going to juice that Mr. Pib Apple the entire time.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And then I built the Super Collider.
1: Uh, so, yeah, instead of that extra guy, uh, that fifth guy, uh, it's Calculon for his powerhouse performance in The Magnificent Three.
0: He certainly emoted.
1: As Zoidberg is about to read the winner, mm-hmm. he looks down at Harold Zoid, who is like.
0: He's, he's excited not to die, but then he realizes what his life currently is and is kind of just. Yeah. Uh, he's he's melancholy about the whole thing. And also, for a seat filler, he's like in the front row. He's right next to Zoidberg. <laughs> or uh, he's right next to Calculon. Calculon.
1: Calculon has also pointed out that his, his robot friend, Boxy, who is just a box, uh, com- like a box robot, is going to shoot him the moment, the moment that Calculon does not win the Oscar. True. So get ready for this, because when he, when Zoidberg sees that his uncle is just so sad, so sad. So sad. He says, and the winner, instead of any of the nominees, it's the legendary Harold Zoid.
0: <laughs> and everyone in the audience is like, what? what? And then they just start clapping as a response. Uh, right. Like, this is
1: weird, I guess. Whatever. Just go just with go it. Just go with it. They're concerned for about Zero point six seconds.
0: It's true. Zoid gives an impassioned speech uh, that begins with a joke of, "I used to think it was important to win one Oscar, but now I know it's important to win two Oscars."
1: But yeah, then he uh, he gives a, a sweet little speech about how it's important, um, or about what's really important is uh, that you know people care about you, whether it's an audience full of strangers or just one diehard fan,
0: and everybody claps later on at the restaurant named Ebola. For Ebola. Reason, Zoid says he can die happy in 10 seconds when Calculon kills them and Calculon walks in and he, he gets vaguely uh, threatening menacing.
1: And then at the last minute, he's like, no, no, I respect Harold Zoid too much to beat him to death with his own Oscar. <laughs> um,
0: at, at this point, it seems like an earthquake happens and everybody ducks for cover except for Harold Zoid. And he's got someone's Oscar. What does he care? Exactly.
1: Out of the LA subway system comes the Planet Express ship covered in tar. Fry's excited because he finally gets to go to a fancy Hollywood shindig. They initially get, they initially get turned away at the door until... Oh, pardon me. I see her with Mr. Stallone. And then the skeleton is like attached around Fry's ankle and then they just kind of walk in with the skeleton and leaving tar footprints and that's where the episode ends so that means it's time for
0: grades so this episode is you know as somebody that is unabashedly team Zoidberg I find it very funny it's it's basically a vehicle for Zoidberg and Bender to go on some hijinks I mean, it's not super high stakes, even when the murder threat is unveiled, but there's a lot of good bits. The The Magnificent Three is a hilariously terrible movie that they show us enough of to get the sense that this was just not a well-made movie. The idea that the emoting isn't hard enough and all, all of this adds into this very interesting, hilarious bomb. Um, and then the plot of trying to rig the Oscars to me is is incredibly funny, especially with current events where the Oscars didn't say the right one. Yeah, it's for, a
1: very timely thing with um, accidentally best, timely Best Picture, I think. Yeah, because uh, La La Land br- and Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I thought that was it, it. It's not something that they meant to do, but it's something that's funny in hindsight, especially when we're doing this because the last Oscars had this something right. like this happen. Um, I I think it's. It's it's a good episode. It's it's possibly even great, but it is it's not to the same level as some of our A pluses. Um I think it's very good though, so I'm gonna give it an A minus. Okay. So this this episode's interesting to me in that it's
1: not an episode like if you were to just say, Hey Ben, what do you think of that's Lobster Attainment? I would probably be like, eh, I mean, it's an okay episode, I guess. I don't usually think about it, despite some lines that I have stolen from it all the sure. time. Um, but I don't usually think of it much. I don't generally think of it as one of the better episodes. But man, watching it is fun. It is a great episode. So many good jokes. Like we spent so much time laughing about him just here and yeah. now while recording this podcast. Uh, and you're right. It is basically an excuse for Zoidberg and Bender to go have this adventure Obviously, we're both Team Zoidberg, Team Bender, respectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love Calculon as a a secondary character. It's a lot of fun. It's a great episode. Um, I do usually like the episodes that have a little bit more important plot to it, but in this case, I'm not even. It's not even a problem. Like it's it's a great episode. I'm gonna give it a straight up A. Nice. Before we sign off today, we did last week. Last week, we put out a request to uh, anybody who wanted to send us <laughs> anybody who wanted to send us their Casey Kasem impersonation counting down their top five Futurama memes. I am happy to say we actually did get one.:
0: <laughs> I love this.
1: Uh, we got one from the, the Channel Surfing podcast. Uh, and thank you um, And so uh, if, you, if you like this Casey Kasem impersonation uh, Maybe go give them a listen
0: We received a letter from the Channel Surfing Podcast To Back to the Futurama Eddie writes Dear Ben and Mike You asked for the top five <laughs> Futurama memes And they are Coming in at number five I'll start my own podcast With Blackjack and hookers <laughs> Number four Not sure if a good recording of Casey Kasem or a cheap attempt to be mentioned on the show. Number three, your impression is bad and you should feel bad. (laughs) Number two, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. (laughs) And rounding out our number one spot is shut up and take my money. That has been the top five (laughs) Futurama memes. I'm not Casey Kasem.
1: So, I had listened to that before. Oh, that was brand new to Mike. Oh, my and God. It was, it's wonderful. It was pretty good. So, thanks to Ooh. the Channel Surfing Podcast for, for recording that. And um,
0: their website is, is going to be in the show notes. So, check
1: yeah, it out. Yeah, I, don't, I uh, don't have it off uh, the top of my head. But I'll put the the link to uh, their show in the show notes. Um, so, yeah, if you like that, give them a listen. Ooh, and That's um, good. That that's was, good stuff. That was pretty good. It was a little... It was a little, um, Casey Kasem meets a little bit of like Batman. Just a, just, just, a, just a, just enough. A, just a tiny, just enough Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was great. And a pretty good, a pretty good list of few yeah. memes. Like we didn't even mention, um, I'll make my own blank with Blackjack yeah. and because that's one I do all the time. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, I think it's a pretty, pretty accurate countdown too. Very so, good. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs>
0: so terrific uh oh man thank you so much for sending that in it really really gave me that good that good belly laugh i've i've been needing oh man
1: now if you would like to do what they did um it doesn't even need to be a uh casey Kasem impersonation it does help <laughs> it does help um you can always get in contact with us in multiple ways you can email us at back to the futurama podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at back to futurama. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash
0: back to Futurama. And as always, we're on iTunes uh, Apple Podcasts. And you can find us there. Please rate, review, and subscribe and, and share with your friends so they can also hear the amazing things that people will <laughs> send in and be surprisingly like very good at oh yeah it's wonderful it was was great i mean why would people not want to listen to this
1: (laughs) and until next time
0: i'm ben (laughs) and i'm mike goodbye from the world of tomorrow
1: Delta Super Collider, thank you. You've been a great audience.